Hey guys, my name's Liv, and welcome to my podcast, Flourished with Liv, where we talk about anything from fitness to nutrition to mental health, and honestly, just anything remotely real life. I hope you guys enjoy, and let's get into the episode. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Flourished with Liv. Um, Today I have um, two very special guests um, on the podcast with me. We're going to go back and forth. We're going to shoot the shit a little bit, and we're going to talk about uh, men's mental health because it is November, and November is Men's Mental Health Month. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to let them introduce themselves each. Um, you guys can say where you work, you know, your name, your specialties, um, really anything you guys want to, want to just introduce yourself with. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, start with you, Jesse, go ahead. All right. So, uh, my name is Jesse. I work at Rebel Personal Training. Uh, it's a private studio here in the Cisville, Canada area. Uh, a little bit about me and my coaching. Uh, I personally do competitive Olympic weightlifting. Um, pretty much coach all sorts of people of all different walks of life, athletes, gen pop, weight loss, just uh, whatever whatever comes my way. That's awesome. Yeah. Jimmy? Hello, I'm Jimmy Adriatis. I'm a personal trainer at the Stittsville uh, Good Life. I've been a trainer for 15 years. My specialty is rehab and uh weight loss and all the other stuff that come with fitness um that's all for me awesome i will ask you guys um to uh to introduce kind of your own training uh, regimen too because i know both of you um are actually well um uh, jimmy you um you work you've done a few bodybuilding shows i have um you want to talk a little bit about that? Maybe yeah, just like touch a, on that. And and you mentioned a little bit of powerlifting too. So. I've done uh, two bodybuilding shows back in 2012 and 2013. Um, and after that, uh, I've done a couple of like powerlifting uh, workout programs. I've not, haven't competed because I did tear my pec doing a 315 bench. I remember Ooh. you saying that. Yeah. So that uh, kiboshed that part of the uh program but yeah that's my warm-up for bench (laughs) you got it it's like four of me (laughs) yeah but my workouts now are predominantly hypertrophy based and uh i would like to get back into doing a strength program it's fun i love i love training for strength that's like that's one thing i've noticed like huge like coming out of my last show is just like putting my heart and soul into like strength more so you just it puts a whole different perspective on on lifting it it, it, it helps you transition a little bit like from that kind of the idea of like always obsessing over your, how your body's looking and that kind of thing and just putting it all into performance wise. I love it. hundred yeah. percent. Like going from like how you're looking to how you're moving is a really big transition because like it's all about the mindfulness and the effort in it. And it's like, it's just a whole nother ball game. It's, it's sure. so, it's so true. Yeah. Like even I find like, when it comes to working with clients too, like I, I always say, like you can totally have a physique goal, but let's make your physique goal the second thing on the list. Even if it, even if, even if in your heart it's the first thing on the list, on paper let's make it, you know, the second thing on the list, and let's find something performance based or, you know, 
or mentality based first, because I guarantee you, if you put all your focus on that, the physique just comes with it. So sometimes some people look good, but can't move properly. So down the road, you get injured. So true. They have to work backwards. It's so true. And I mean, the ultimate thing about training is you want to like, we don't want to be 80 years old and in a wheelchair, you know, like there's a, you don't want to be a Ronnie Coleman. No, no. So bad. No, no. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we love yeah. him. We love Ronnie Coleman. Yeah, God yeah, his soul, yeah. But he is not in good shape right <laughs> no, now. No, no, no. I, I would like to be able to poop on my own at the age of eighty. Yeah, exactly. That's my goal. That's why I work out now, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I can get up and off the the toilet without help. Um, anyway, uh, Jesse, you want to talk about a little bit about uh, your training and because I know you have a bit of a different background too. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah, so my background has. You know, it's taken some back and forth because I was training for football season. With the pandemic, it was a lot of back and forth between, you know, am I competing in weightlifting? Am I playing football? And uh, I decided to, you know, say, you know, screw it. Even if I could play football this year, I'm just going to do weightlifting. So over the last kind of, I would say, eight months or so, I've just transitioned to that. And um, I did my first competition uh, a couple months ago, I'll be going into another one in about nine, ten weeks. Oh, shit, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, yeah. really exciting. Yeah, so it was just a qualifier, my last one. Mm-hmm. And then this one is just probably my second last or my last for this year. I just want to focus a lot on just getting really, really strong uh, and healthy. I found last time I, I did a cut, I probably cut about only eight pounds or so. But because I cut that eight pounds, I put a lot of stress on my weight. I wasn't really stressing uh, movement quality as much as I should have. And I ended up tweaking my shoulder and it's literally been a pain ever since. So just a lot of rehab and prehab and getting good again. That's, mm-hmm. that's pretty much been it. So, yeah. So is this competition a powerlifting meet? Weightlifting. Oh, okay. So it's weightlifting and... Now, I don't know a lot about it. How can you have to cut weight for weightlifting? So just like powerlifting, you have to make a weight category. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Interesting. In the Olympics, you have weight categories and the same idea as, as powerlifting. Right. Uh, and, okay, so I guess that makes sense because you wouldn't want to compete up against a 300-pound powerlifter. That just wouldn't be fair, right? Because <laughs> yeah, exactly. obviously he has more body weight and, and more muscle. Okay, that makes so sense. In weightlifting, you go in a weight class of kilograms. Oh. So you have like the... 78 kilogram category and mm-hmm. lower and higher yeah yeah absolutely so usually like i would say homeostasis at about you know 200 pounds or you know just around uh 89 to 91 kilos something like that so just dropping down to below 89 kilos or or 87 kilos depending on you know how i've been in that prep how good i've been feeling in that prep um you know it does that five to ten pounds it really does make a difference and i had never cut like that before so somebody like you guys who have done bodybuilding competitions where the cut is actually like a long-term cut it is way more drastic i honestly can't imagine how you guys feel going out on stage yeah yeah big time yeah yeah well i was i was gonna say like it's interesting because you both come from sports so in 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 the bodybuilding world um the men are weighed right in all the divisions or is it just classic 
all or the, open all, all of them yeah well not in uh not in um the board shorts one i probably don't want to uh physique. physique physique yeah that's tall yeah. or short I okay think. yeah because yeah. i was gonna say um in in bikini i don't i don't i could be wrong um because bikini is height yeah um and you don't get weighed uh i don't think wellness is weight no no that bodybuilding would be yeah weight yes so i think it's just probably bodybuilding though because yeah. i don't think physique is is weight either for yeah. women so i find that interesting though that you know we can kind of we we can dive a bit deeper into that too even for um for women in in bodybuilding particularly like they don't weigh us but we're by height but for a lot more of the categories for men there's a lot more emphasis on weight and 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 less on height like uh, going into bodybuilding, how did that, was it like an added stress when you were, when you were stepping on, um, like on the scale before competing? Because I remember the only stress that I had to go through the night before my show was if my bikini bottoms were too slutty. <laughs> so I had to pull up and you have to drop your shorts and, 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 and you go and, 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 and you get measured for your height. And when, a lot of the other girls, it's funny, always stress about their height because you want to be in like the height division that's not as popular. Yeah. But the second I got up there, I'm like, I'm telling you right now, I'm the I'm the tallest height division, and they check you and they go and then you, and 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 then you check your bottoms. But I was watching the men, and there's so much stress for you guys too because you want to make a certain category with weight, but then are you also measured for height too? Like what's no for, no? for men's bodybuilding is more so like you weigh this amount, you're in this division. It's just kind and of the way it is. You can have the high category of like 172 and then someone's weighing 166, but it all depends on conditioning. So yeah. if that 166 person looks bigger than you, he's going to ultimately uh, beat yeah. you. I, yeah. So, I, to do with conditioning I guess that and, makes sense. Yeah. And you're not going to compete with someone who's like 40 pounds heavier because he's just mm. going to demol demolish you. Demolish you just because he has more. Well, but, but I was going to say, would that be the case though? Because could he be he could be less conditioned as far as you're concerned yeah i don't know it's different you could be right but it's, it's, it's it is strange because yeah. it's just uh because you're gonna have the heavy weights where like pro bodybuilders usually go it's like over 220 pounds mm -hmm. then you have lower weights categories so just more for fairness fairness yeah i guess that makes sense mm -hmm. it it, it kind of works that way with height too like yeah. putting a bunch of like putting me up against like I'm five eight, putting me up against someone who's competing at like, I don't know, five one. Like I like her. First of all, like a lot of people would assume the taller person would do better, but actually, when it comes to shorter people, they tend to hold muscle well, a little bit. There should harder, also have a but... category too with height and bodybuilding too, just because. I agree. There has been. I agree. Like, there should be. There's been short people with really good condition yeah. that always lose to the bigger people, mm -hmm. so which I think yeah. is a little bit of a. Well, because it comes down to symmetry too, right? Yeah. And yeah, no, I totally agree. Because how, like, for example, Chris Bumstead, how tall is Chris Bumstead? Six one, six two. Yeah, yeah like he's he's a pretty big guy. Like he's tall, and yeah. he's probably always in the in the tallest division. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like, you wouldn't put someone like him up against. I don't know. Well, like a regular yeah, bodybuilder, like Lee Priest back in the nineteen nineties, he was five foot three. There you and go. Some five. of the times he was the best condition, but he would never win because he was yeah. pretty much small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. well, I was gonna say uh, Diesel. Is that his last? His what's his last name? He is he it? he took home second. Ah, uh, yes, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, he is insanely conditioned. He's very conditioned, but he's shorter too. 
He's, he doesn't look it. I, no? I've only seen him on social media. Okay, okay. Seen his, like, because, or at, at least when you put him up against Chris Bumstead, he's shorter. So, but yeah. Is this the same category because yeah. Bumstead's a classic. Yeah, it's classic. Yeah, he's classic. So, yeah. I, I Maybe it's not a diesel. It's, I don't know. It's kind of something like that anyway. Right. But yeah. I was actually chatting with somebody the other day because like we were thinking like just because of like the proportions and the size of people in the Olympia versus like people that do classic it would almost be better from like a fan perspective to put the taller people in the Olympia and the shorter people in the classic. There's a two twelve category where they're usually smaller. Yeah. I'm sorry. In, in which one? Uh, it's called a two twelve category of, of bodybuilding. So there is a, what does short... that mean? Weight. Oh, their, their weight. Oh, it's a okay, okay, okay. category. So they're, uh, that's exact. so I forgot what the guys <laughs> who won now, but there is a shorter type. Usually they're shorter. Yeah. In, in stature and they're interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So there is that category as well. There is. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I find it's just it's hard, right? Because like who's the most who's the most famous? Chris Bumstead. So they're gonna show his classes the most. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. But it's the same thing with bikini. Like you take a look at uh, I don't know if you guys follow bikini, but there's like Laura Lee and not uh, and uh, Jennifer uh, Dory and stuff like that. And oh, it's like her. yeah, yeah. She's beautiful. She is beautiful. Jimmy's like, yeah, I follow her. I follow her. Yeah. And she's Canadian. She's yeah. from Toronto. Yeah. Actually, Laura Lee's from Montreal. Yeah. Um, of course, they all live in, in Las Vegas now because once you get good, you go out to Las Vegas. But whatever. But uh, but it's 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 interesting, too, just to kind of see all that. Canada, but... just because you can be Canada. Yeah, or, or that. <laughs> no, this is this is no political show. But if it was, no. Um, <laughs> No worries, no yeah. politics. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, no. Uh, okay, so where can I redirect this now? So this podcast kind of trying to dive a little bit more into 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 men's mental health. You guys are both personal trainers, um, so we can ease into it kind of a little bit by, you know, me asking you how you know when you're dealing with your, uh, with your male uh, clients in particular, do you guys find what's kind of the strengths, you know, the weaknesses that you find with training? Because as a personal trainer myself as well, at least what I, so I train uh, in person, I have all women clients Um, online. I have actually two men. Um, I'm starting to broaden my horizons a little bit online. I'm very excited. Uh, they're just friends right now. So I'm just, I'm, I'm using them as testers. Um, but I find with in-person, um, and I always tell this to people who, you know, because I feel like in the personal training world, you go and you tell someone you're a personal trainer who has no background in training or know anything about personal training. There's a, there's a lot of stigmatization when it comes to being a personal trainer. It's like, Oh, is that, is that a, is that a real job? Is that, it's like, yeah, it is actually. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a very important job too, well, to be honest. No one has ever mentioned that to me because <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have a good response. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know. 100%. <laughs> they get the, the Jimmy ass whooping right there. <laughs> but the thing is, the problem is about people saying that stuff is those same people are the same people that will ask you over and over and over for free advice. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. 100%. The Christmas oh, dinner Jimmy. conversation. Oh, Every year. Jimmy, how do I lose at 30 pounds? I'm like, <laughs> I just go consistently and eat, eat good. I'm like, I'm like, that's 
honestly very simple free advice that you can possibly do no but jimmy but don't follow it no but jimmy i want to just drink uh celery juice for a week and lose 30 pounds i want to do that how come i can't do that well, i want to own two ferraris but yeah yeah have, exactly right? i was gonna say the, the people who ask that are the same people who work the nine to five jobs who are freaking miserable too so yeah, <laughs> i i think it's, it comes from a lot of insecurity also, and jealousy whole easy way out oh I, instead of getting healthy eating well but getting eating unhealthy and relying on a flu vaccine mm. to protect you when mm. actually your immune system is actually driven by how healthy and fit you are that's honestly that's mm. like that that's freaking modern that's all modern uh, medicine in general like you, you could you could talk that, about oh, birth control you're not, too you're not a yeah. doctor but you're not a doctor but uh yeah you can't give medical advice i'm like um whatever I'm yeah like, yeah this is why i never get sick yeah I yeah i was gonna say i was gonna say to this is why about, i'm healthy it used to be all about eating the dirt and you know getting getting natural immunity through exposure to uh, things outside 100 think about know. cavemen mm -hmm. cavemen we didn't have you know like contraceptives we didn't have like flu vaccines we didn't have anything back then you just exactly you you sucked it up or you know and you, you, you took care of yourself people i think it comes down to laziness honestly yeah. i think people want the quick fix like it's the same thing oh you have like oh you get chronic headaches you get a headache every day yeah. oh i just take advil and it's gone exactly it's okay north american <laughs> yeah okay well i can you're like you're just masking it i don't know yeah exactly. so true like for example like well bring up covid look at north america we have the highest death death toll is because majority of uh, obese people come from north america yeah look at japan low deaths look at sweden low deaths look at all those uh other countries that are more more fit have low deaths on flu and covid is because what they put in their bodies in north america they eat a lot of seed oils and all these uh, fast food chains are just making them unhealthy. And and instead of um, talking about getting healthy, they're doing quick fixes like, oh, take the jab, take the jab. Yeah, yeah. Or even free advice about get, walking outside or even taking vitamin D because it's not because it's free advice. And it's not sexy. Yeah. It's not sexy. Free is not good. Me telling a client to walk more is going to be like oh yeah well i mean that's that's easy i'll do that and it's like yeah okay if but if i told you like if i told one of my clients i want to put you on a bikini prep diet like i have clients coming to me that would literally say i i want the most structured meal plan i can get and i'm like okay i like i could give that to you and you might stick to it for two weeks and you could you'll probably get insane results in those two weeks but then you're not you're not going to stick to it because a it's not sustainable and you just want something that's exciting and mm -hmm. extravagant and and sexy and it's because people get bored and they're lazy. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. that's probably one of the biggest problems is people have shiny object syndrome whenever it comes yeah, to yeah yeah that's that's a great way yeah, of saying so, it I like that so you know they that like you were saying that free advice that taking your vitamin D getting 10k steps a day all the simple stuff people are like oh that's too simple it must be wrong. Yeah, actually, it's too easy. I do have a, a story where yeah, I actually was thanked. I actually didn't recognize the guy. It's like, I'm like, I took your advice and I'm like, I've lost like 40 pounds. I'm like, and I had to think, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I did. Who is this guy? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, I did. I'm like, I just saw him like 
it was literally a two-minute conversation. I'm like, this is what you're going to do, this, this, and this. Yeah. He did that. And then he just, after like a year or two, he's like, I took your advice and I actually worked and I lost 40 pounds. I'm like, awesome. And then I had, to, I had to think, I'm like, where did I talk to this guy? I'm like, I, then I remembered. And, and like, you know what? It's awesome. Like as a personal trainer too, like you guys know this too, you, you could be in the, like, I remember being at the bar and like, this is when I, this is when I, when I, when I first started um, as a personal trainer and, and and like when you first start when people ask you for advice it feels fucking good so you give people advice when you first start and then eventually once you kind of become a bit more of a veteran a in second. in the business you're like yeah you can pay me first and then i'll do it because i'm not going to sit here and i'm not going to waste my time right mm -hmm. because because that's what happens in the beginning too like i remember being in the bar and i remember i i met this girl she was super sweet still follow her on instagram still have the number have her number in my phone and she's like, Liv, I just like I, I I just can't stay consistent in the gym. That's my issue. And I'm like, okay, here, I'm gonna go home tomorrow or tonight and tomorrow morning I'm gonna make you a three-day split. Just go to the gym three days a week. Just hit these three full body workouts during the week. And I literally took the time to make her these workouts. I guarantee you, I haven't heard from her since being at the bar. Now that was my own fault because we were probably both hammered at the time. <laughs> but I still went back and made her the workouts. And I guarantee you, she never did them. Probably, you know what yeah. I mean? Right. So it's like, it's interesting though. Like you don't realize even we, we give a lot of free advice, even without realizing well, I, it, I, you I know, know, and I'm then they go I back. Free advice, it's just short. Exactly. Yeah, short exactly. So like, exactly. This is what you're going to do. Yeah. And I'm not going to tell you more. Yeah. You, know, you exactly. need to do your own research like everyone else, but this is a good advice. You know, though, that 80 to 90% of the time that you give that free advice, it's just going in one year out the, the freaking other, other year exactly. and it, it, it's frustrating yeah so the way i view it is i'm like okay i'm actually educating myself at the same time when i give them this little bit of free advice so whatever they can take it if they want 100%. but you never <laughs> but know no. who you might be um who you might be touching mentally um by just doing that you know exactly. people people that listen in on the conversation like you were out at the bar mm -hmm. talking to this one girl you never know who in the background who was with it's you true. guys that's like you know what i think i'm gonna start doing that mm -hmm. and just like that guy i like that that's pops true. off right yeah. you never know who you're that's really interesting they came back to you too yeah. that and you know a year later like, have you ever went to family events where you would eat cheats and they're like aren't you a, aren't you a personal trainer Fucking, every, every uh, single time i did have a cousin that, did that. me and jimmy I, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before. Oh, like, sure. it was an Instagram I, I had, post. A, I, had yeah. a, uh, I have a cousin who was like, every time I'd go to the camera with a friend of friends, he'd be like, aren't you birds? I'm like, why are you eating that? And then I'm like, I got really mad on him. I'm like, listen, I can out eat everybody. <laughs> I also know how to lose weight and, and a lot of people don't. So mind your business. Yeah. And never bring this up again. You know what? That's another thing too, because, because you guys, I both know my background with an eating disorder as well. Yeah. I'm very open with it. I'm, I, I've, I've, it's, it's something that I've, 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 I've redirected as well, but, and I, because I'm very open about it too, a lot of my family knows about it. Um, at least my family that's on social media, but still, you know, like I'll sit down at, at the table or, you know, at like a family dinner or, or every year my entire family does like a, a Christmas New Year's kind of thing yeah. on uh, New Year's Day. And we get like everybody there. And, you know, there's you still hear comments. Um, it's it's just like those TikToks. I don't know if you've seen them, like the 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 one almond uh, uh, like ant comments or whatever. And it's 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 it, they uh, they resemble like 
if you grew up with a mom or an aunt or whatever who only ever ate like the one almond and yeah. like always oh. in the dieting mindset but like oh. but like you'll sit around the table with all these people and the comments that people make in regards to food without even realizing it mm-hmm. are so disordered like like i believe the entire like our at least our whole generation the older generation too like people above the age of like 60 yeah like even up to my grandma right like everyone i believe everyone has a little bit of of disordered eating and i think we're finally starting to get better because more people are talking about it but it's amazing like people don't realize that saying something like oh i'm gonna have to go for a really big run tomorrow to work that off like that's something so simple that is complete that is a completely disordered thing to say you know what i mean when in society did we stop and say we have to work off food or we have to earn food no yeah. no but don't forget too like there's the opposite where we most people that do fitness also have we have a thing called orthorexia yeah and it's so, which by the way it's actually now a classified um eating disorder under the 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 uh, netta foundation so i I'm actually Most unfamiliar of, with this. If, are you familiar? Yeah, yeah, I'm unfamiliar. So I'll yeah, tell you a yeah, little bit. So, yeah, tell us about it. So I was about, like, obviously I did bodybuilding competitions. You have to eat, like, specific regimens. When I started bodybuilding, I went from eating, like, I wouldn't say the bodybuilding diet is really healthy, but I went from that to, like, cheating more often. And every time I had to cheat, I feel like my gains are going to go away. Like, my, mm. like I'm, I'm going to get, uh, you, to get fat. You, you dealt with that. Uh, yeah. Uh, food guilt, which is food yeah. guilt. Right now, I've food actually guilt. like been able to overcome that. So now I can cheat and really not feel like I'm like you can lost. enjoy it. Like, like I do sometimes do feel when I overeat. I'm like, mm-hmm. why did I do that? But it's not to the point where I'm like going on to like a excessive like I would cut my carbs out for like five days to like recoup the damage that I did on the weekend. So like, mm-hmm. and then. You would repeat that again. Say shit. What? What have I done? I'm. I'm gonna ruin. I'm gonna ruin it. So like things like that. Like that's orthorexia. So it's a little bit. It's, it's sim- very common. Now that you've actually described it to me, like I see it everywhere. Everyone, I've been guilty of it myself. Everyone that has, has does bodybuilding and all that will eventually get to a point of obsessiveness of food. I was gonna say too. So yeah. uh, with orthorexia as well. So. So it's classified as an obsession with eating healthy, um, with working out. Um, and one of the, the main symptoms behind it is um, is body dysmorphia, which is one of the most key, like in all eating disorders, I would say, I'm pretty sure. I should probably check this on a site, but whatever, it's a free podcast. Um, <laughs> like every eating disorder, you know, one of the main side effects is body dysmorphia. And it's really interesting because people are starting to talk about about body dysmorphia a lot more because in the beginning it was just, you know, there was just anorexia and there was bulimia, which is in, you know, there's so much stigmatization. It was vain teenage girls who didn't want to look fat. But there was, but there's so much more to body image and eating disorders than that. These guys right? are not getting it too. And I was going to say, that is one thing I would love to touch on here is the idea of body dysmorphia in men, because I have seen it firsthand with, you know, 
you know, I like, like growing up with my, with my, with my dad, you know, my, my cousins, um, I've always been, I've always had a lot of male friends as someone who's struggled with body dysmorphia and eating disorders her entire life. I, I know what, I know what body dysmorphia looks like. Right. And, and, and I can see it off of people and I see how common it is in men and it is just considered a normal thing in men and it should not be normal. Like, like body dysmorphia should not be normal. And anyone who doesn't know, you know, what, what uh, body dysmorphia is, it's literally, if I were to put it in, in simple terms and you guys can, you guys can jump in if you struggled with it too. For me, it's, I don't know how I look. I could not tell you, I can look in the mirror and I can see someone who's, who's overweight, like one hour and who's, skinny stick the next hour. Um, if I eat a certain thing, I can change my, I can, I, I can look in the mirror and I can think I look one way when I look another way it's, or I might feel I'm, I'm not big enough or I'm not small enough or so on, so on. Or more so of a, a certain body fat percentage too. I want to look like this, but a lot of people's perception of body fat is, is, isn't sustainable because most people's homeostasis is, higher than 15% body fat. Absolutely. For men, for men and especially women too, with hormonal things as oh, well. Exactly. So. so like for me, the reason why I got orthorexia is because I used to actually be overweight around 220 pounds, 2006, I got a first trainer, lost weight. Then I wanted to continue eating the way I am, but I would cheat. And I wanted to continue eating the way I am, but I would cheat. Mind you, I kept my weight under 180 pounds. Then I did my bodybuilding shows, which actually even worsened the situation because you're actually cutting even more. And then you want to keep that physique all the time. And then eventually you do not. And I actually see this too in the, in the female side of being in the business for like, and working out for 23 years is when a woman is usually overweight and they want to do a big, or like a bikini, a big gear or anything like that, I always, before I used to tell them don't do it because you will rebound, and they didn't like that that term. They didn't think they didn't think I they think I didn't have faith in them, but I just known when you become overweight, you've already made yourself have an eating like a different kind of eating disorder. Oh, absolutely. There is if you are overweight, you have disordered eating just as much as someone who's underweight who has disordered eating. So then they're cut. They're cutting from eating so many calories to lower calories, and usually there's some good tips of like losing weight too is North Americans eat their food too fast. Mm -hmm. I'm one of them. I can still eat a lot. If people slow down their eating, they could actually lose a lot more weight if they ate how Japanese people ate. I was going to say, there's also, there's a lot of studies that show it helps with digestion as well. hundred percent. So sorry, go ahead, Justin. No, no, no. So um, I think like a couple of things that really help with that is like really eating low satiety foods. And Absolutely. yeah, cause like you think about it, what are most people eating who are overweight is high satiety foods and they just mm. keep shoveling it in super yeah. quick and they can't stop until they're overfilled. Um, and obviously like habit, like I remember when I was a kid, my parents told me, well, you can't leave until you finish your food. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I would want to go play with my friends or go play video games. And yeah. like, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to shovel this in. 
you do that for so many years that's such an instilled habit right exactly. and that, so, yeah no no and sorry but it's it's so true like it, it it also makes me think too at the same time the eating fast but the 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 parents you know your parents sitting around the table and your parents telling you to clean your plate mm-hmm. that people don't realize that is also creating disordered eating because when you're a child and you're being and it's hard because we can't blame our parents because our parents learned from their parents and our grandparents grew up in a time where they didn't have food food because it was scarce right but now we're not scarce if anything you know we're over we're we're over we know this you know what i mean but but teaching and telling your child to to finish their plate is teaching them to ignore their hunger cues as well. Yeah. And there's so much science behind intuitive eating. And I find it really fascinating because I believe, like, for example, if a client comes to me and says, I just want to intuitively eat. And I'm like, so do I. But you know what? We're not going to even touch thinking about intuitive eating until we actually learn about food. Mm-hmm. Because it's not true intuitive eating unless you actually know, you know whatever your body needs. And I think what comes down to that is the idea of total mindfulness if we slow down what we're eating, we're going to think about our food a little bit more. If we think about our food a little bit more, we can start to appreciate our food more, mm-hmm. which is going to ultimately slow us down from, you know, slow us um, to make us slow down eating and um, which can help with digestion. And then and, and th- there's small steps you can take. Like when I, to kind of touch on what you said, when there's it coming out of a bodybuilding show and I also experienced it coming out of my eating disorder and recovering from my eating disorder is extreme hunger. Yeah. And even if it's not uh, physical hunger, um, it's uh, uh, mental hunger. And anyone who's been in, in a bodybuilding show who has struggled with an eating disorder as well can kind of relate to this, is that obsession with food on a psychological level. Like mm-hmm. you hear a lot about bodybuilders who not, watch like yeah. 10,000 calorie challenges. Yeah. There's nothing healthy about that. <laughs> Right, so but it's no. I, but I I've done them. it too. I did I it too. Them. It's I okay. Watched, I watched them. I could personally. I, I only watch it because I know I can do most of them. I don't. I can do most. <laughs> I do not. So I'm gonna put this man up against Eric the Electric. Did you ever watch him? We no. I know. I know. No, Eric the, other, the Electric. Yeah. He was who I watched when I when I was in bodybuilding. He was a. He was just a. I think there's. You know, Furious Pete. No, I didn't know Furious Pete. I've Pete's. heard that name. Have I you heard of that? Yes. There's. Uh, Santel, something, something Santel. He's other, another guy. He actually came to Ottawa and did the uh, did he? the burger challenge in uh, the Lawn Burger. Lawn Burger. He did that. Yeah, like, yeah. Like literally under ten minutes. Jeez. Oh I my goodness! You no, know, he's this guy. Like and his and his totally. girlfriend is literally fit, and she eats just as much as him. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I need her as my girlfriend, man. I need her. As my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I will take. I will take that. Well, there's also like uh, Matt Stoney. You heard of Matt Stoney? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's Canadian. The big but, thing but too yeah. with when people are overweight too, they tend to stretch their stomach. Mm-hmm. So when they lose weight, their actual stomach is still big. This is why they have a problem with hunger. It's not only how fast they eat, is that they stretch their stomach so much that they're still when they there. when they eat, they're not full. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is why when I when I see an obese person honestly sometimes the best recommendation is tell them to get gastric if they're ready yeah oh no gastric bypass shrinks the stomach and they can actually feel full right what they're like me i still have like i i have a big stomach but i know when to stop Mm -hmm. like i know 
the portions that I need. And I, was, I, drink I was gonna a lot say, of water. Yeah. I, I drink a lot of water. Yeah. The you know you can also you can work with like volume eating and stuff too, but you can also train your stomach. You can train everything in your body. Yeah, you can like, drink it as much as you can, but yeah. it still doesn't, it's not going to be where no, 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 absolutely. But I mean like you can train, you, you, you can train your stomach like mentally, yeah. like, like you can, you can, you can feel, you can train everything in your body. Like you can, they literally, this is TMI, but I talk about poop all the time, so it's fine. It's, but you can it's honestly, you, like, it's a legit part of health. Oh, absolutely! And you you can tell how well you are doing by your poops. I have it clients. Is, yeah, I have clients who come to me and who say, uh, or and I'll ask, like, okay, uh, like, how many times a day do you have a bowel movement? Assuming they'll say at least once a day, and they're like, oh, I go every three days. Oh, I'm like, my heart. Jesus. Jesus, that's horrible. Like, you that know, sounds that's horrible. Bad, that's bad it's thing. horrible. And you know what? The first thing I do when a client comes to me is we get them pooping every day. Because when you poop every day, you I guarantee you the rest of your life will just start to fall into place. If you have, if you have good <laughs> digestion, it's it's insane. And as, as someone, like, I'm struggling a lot with my digestion right now post-show. Um, it's ridiculous with my digestion. And it's... It, can like totally it can fuck with your brain like yeah. like i have a terrible digestion right now it it keeps me from going out if i have a flare up if i have if i have a flare up um that day i won't go out because i feel like i'm either 12 months pregnant or i'm gonna have to run to the bathroom right mm-hmm. like and that's horrible it, it affects your social life it affects your body image no one like no one feels good about themselves when they're bloated mm-hmm. right so no, no, I totally agree. So, but on top of like the aspect of like training your mind, you can train your bowels, you can train your stomach, you can train everything. Cause everything's connected to your mind. It's insane. Yep. It's, it's, it's mindset over everything. And why I think when it comes to body dysmorphia, especially with men, you know, um, just to, to kind of bounce back in there, I think that a lot of the body dysmorphia, like, I don't know, would for a female, when it comes to, you know, assessing how your body looks, I would say I could argue that like I would like I would get comments on my body as early as grade one. And I think that that's kind of honestly when I first started actually assessing my body. Would you guys say this? It's similar with men or like so like, I can... like if you guys struggle. Like, when did you start struggling? So, essentially, like, through my elementary life, as much as I can recall, obviously, because, like, oh, just dropped my phone. So, um, all through my elementary days, I was the chubby kid in my class. And um, what I was told by my family constantly, because they didn't really know much better, was, you know, oh, that's your baby fat. You'll lose that when you get older. I was like... Maybe when I was like two years old, maybe. But essentially, I had a really nasty habit of overeating all the time. And I wasn't a very active kid. I didn't play sports. We couldn't afford it. Um, So I, you know, I sat in my room. I went out and I played with friends. But playing with friends wasn't going and playing basketball or riding our bikes. It was just going and playing video games. So obviously, over the years, that had accumulated and I really had struggled with it. I can recall being in like grade six or seven and I stayed up all night until I did like a thousand setups one night because I was such, it was such like a bad night for me. So like you take events like that 
and you kind of like prolong it um even though into my high school life you know grade eight through all of the rest of high school i started playing sports played football did throwing for track um i obviously got a lot more muscular uh more in shape my conditioning was a lot better but it still followed so it was it was one of those things where like not only was i having struggles with body image but like mental health took like a major dive uh i started using drugs i had like a really bad addiction for like three four years something like that i started like like 16 um so even while i was using my mental health was declining and that just made my body image worse even though i was like oh yeah like i'm jacked whenever like i was lifting when i was outside of that when i wasn't lifting that was the bad downtime so it's um it was it was almost like a distraction to be using from everything that was going on back then um and it wasn't until i started training for um for strength sports that i really stopped feeling that same way as we were talking earlier right because it goes from thinking about how you look to how you feel and how you perform right so um yeah that's that that was like a really big transition for me at least yeah I actually, I, I, I actually resonated a lot with the part you said you had a really bad day and you remember staying up doing those sit-ups because that is, like, I remember at the heart of my eating disorder, I remember, like, actually having to sit down and eat a meal. And after that meal, I literally snuck up to my room and was doing jumping jacks in my room because mm-hmm. I needed, I felt like I needed to burn that off. And you don't realize how trapped you feel in your own mind, in your own body, until you're literally like because that's pure punishment we were pure we were punishing ourselves mm-hmm. for 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 eating something for for being a certain size we were punishing ourselves for other people making fun of us and i can resonate with that too so i was i was overweight as a child mm-hmm. and i remember being in in third grade on the playground and having the boy i had a crush on call me fat to my face it's it, you know it sounds it sounds so sad and I know everyone like everyone's gonna to I know no everyone's gonna listen to it right <laughs> but that's when you first like you you first think about things right because like instantly you're like like what's wrong with me what's wrong with right. me I need to the change it. Right it, there, it yeah. the disapproval and it just already puts so much emphasis on your body mm-hmm. for no reason you know what I mean so it's it's and you know to kind of to add on to what you said like even when you get to a point when you're fit like I freaking stepped on on a bodybuilding show i had six pack i saw lines and i still struggled with body dysmorphia so it almost it almost gets worse as you get more fit because an eating disorder disordered eating like mental health in general is addiction you can become addicted to feeling about things you can become addicted to feeling depressed and that's why it's really difficult to pull people who have depression out you know addiction isn't just you know like eating disorders and like it's substance abuse. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, because you can be you can be addicted to feeling anxious because you find that comfort, right? So so same with, with body dysmorphia. You become addicted, mm-hmm. you need more, you need more, you need more, and then it's never enough and it just gets worse because you're feeding that addiction by by pushing further into it. And that's yeah. Hundred percent. And you know, even even for my story, um what was like a really big turning point was 
as as an addict obviously like i explored multiple things and psilocybin was one of those and now there's a lot of active case studies where people are using it to treat mental health wow but at the time what's this stuff called so psilocybin is just mushrooms called simon psilocybin oh psilocybin yeah 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 so uh a lot of people in the a lot of doctors in the states in like california area they're trying to use it to uh, start start treating ptsd depression anxiety i'm pretty sure jordan peterson he 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 dove into into mushrooms and mental health too absolutely so it was a really big turning point that's actually how i got sober was I had this one trip and I had oh. this gigantic epiphany and uh, oh I said, you know what, like I'm good. That's beautiful. And then That's so awesome. now, and you'll even hear it on and like this is like a classic Joe Rogan thing to hear <laughs> about is the micro dosing. So like, or or doing like a a large trip quarterly every year, um, just to kind of keep your mental health rolling in a positive direction, which seems strange generally somebody might see that as like a relapse but for somebody who's been doing it you would see it as a refresher a clean slate because every time you do it you have these epiphanies there's Mm -hmm. clarity there's ego death where you know somebody's ego could be telling them that everything's happening to them and they're the victim and all these things are happening against them but losing your ego and realizing that you might be the problem or that, you know, things aren't actually that bad or realizing you like how you look, all this stuff, it, it is a possibility whenever you're in that certain mind state. Now, it's not for everybody. I'm not telling everybody, oh, no, yeah, no. go do some mushrooms. But for me, that's how it happened. And every time... I found I was, you know, going in a negative direction and I would have that kind of quarterly reset every time was like, wow, I feel amazing. I feel like I look great. And I'm good. And I'm, I'm good. good. I'm good. Yeah. Everything that I felt like was going wrong in life was sorted out by the end of it. And now I've, I find that interesting and I'm going to ask you because I haven't... I, I don't I don't have a lot of experience Most with addiction. Most people in the fitness and uh, industry haven't. Yeah. So it's it's honestly hard for people in the external to see people that have had addiction yeah. as those healthy sources as yeah. personal trainers. Yeah. And, but honestly, I as like I I totally know where you're coming from. And what I was going to ask is, do do you think you could argue because people aren't addicted. To, Do you think you could argue that people aren't addicted to the drug itself? People are addicted to the way the drug makes them feel. Mm. Because I've had a lot of conversations about this. Yeah, because to (laughs) me, you know, even 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 just from like a research perspective, if I gave you a sugar pill and you didn't have a trip from the sugar pill, you would be like, well, I'm like, could you say I wouldn't be doing that again? Whereas, because yeah. it's because it's different, like with things like smoking. Because smoking, you can become addicted to like the actual act of smoking, yes. which I've heard a lot about as well. And honestly, I I've been like during my prep, I've been actually uh, utilizing weed at night to help me sleep, and I found it's not actually for me personally. It's actually not the weed itself that mm. like and or it, it's not the 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 high from the weed that I'm like 
actually enjoying. It's mm-hmm. actually the act of like relaxation, having a, a routine at night where I go outside, I put my coat on, I sit down, I smoke a half a joint and then I go to bed. It's ritual. So it's, it's the ritual. It's yeah. not the actual high. Cause I don't, I, 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 I don't know. So I'm curious what you think in regards so, to that because addiction is just as much mental health as, as anything. It is. So really like whenever I had started using, I had started smoking and cigarettes and pot at 13, um, which is pretty young. Um, but I started using it because I was just like, like, fuck it. I want to do things that aren't, you know, great for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't have, you know, the easiest upbringing. Um, so I wanted to do things that were fun. I was drinking at a young age. I was going out and partying with older kids and all of this stuff. And yeah, I liked how it made me feel. But ultimately, at that time, I liked who it helped me be as well. Um, just because, you know, I started hanging out with these crowds. They thought I was cool and all this stuff because uh, I was this young kid partying with all the older kids. Um, and yes, getting high at that age was fun, but it was it was just like you got bored of it after doing it for a few years and by the time you got bored of it well you're 16 to 18 years old you had some older friends that could get you some more different Mm. stuff and and not to say that it was a gateway drug but because i had those resources and because at at that uh teenage age um i had this relationship that went absolutely sour there was so much drama. I went to a, a small town high school, so like you can imagine how that was. Mm-hmm. Which high school? Uh, ADHS and Armprior. Armprior High School, eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, I, I went to West Carlton. So yeah, what's yeah, up? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it yeah. Usually when <laughs> you'd say, "Oh, you go to West," well, at least it's not Armprior. But <laughs> ouch, ouch. Actually, Armprior High School is long. It is long. It takes you a long. Like, I've been here. I'm like. I'm like Man, this is longer than high school. Do you mean do you mean like the size? Literally the oh, longest, I was <laughs> it is the <laughs> record for the longest highway or not highway, uh hallway. You can say highway, hallway. Ten minutes to go the opposite end, man. It's like we're literally really I'm huge. serious. Jesus. It's and it's it's a very long high school. It's so so you can see all your friends I've, or I've, all of your enemies by I've, the time you walk through. I've I've never heard that before. That's yeah, funny. But yeah. no, but yeah. So um, I essentially, like, small town, lots of drama, lots of rumors and all this stuff. And my mental health took a massive plummet. Mm-hmm. So when I started doing drugs, um, I started off doing MDMA. You know, my, uh, some, one of my friends was house-sitting for his parents all summer. No supervision. Oh, Jesus. We were selling it. We were doing it. Yeah. It was a really, really good time at that time. But oh, I yeah, realized absolutely. I was just masking how I felt about my previous relationship, um, especially seeing that person all the time because it was a small town. Um, I, and obviously, if, if you know anything about MDMA, Molly, ecstasy, anything like that, it is just pure dopamine and happiness and all Absolutely. this stuff. Absolutely. So this is actually a proven drug that unless it's got a lot of amphetamines in it, that you mentally are more addicted to it than physically uh, just because of the actual properties of it. But not just that I was mentally addicted to it because of how it made me feel. And I knew that actually when I was doing it, yeah. but I didn't care because of how I felt. Yeah. So uh, I got more into like, Absolutely. 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 I got more into like EDM culture and like I started doing cocaine 
and that kind of took over and when I got into that I started doing more prescription pills and all this stuff um and honestly it was a slippery slope it really was um at the time I thought though I was like young uh I hadn't been caught I was like invincible but then I started getting really sick from it every time I did it um so that was definitely one of those things that drove me to lower mental health i would i would honestly say like i i can i consistently took lower steps in my mental health over those three years or so because it started off bad relationship doing things to have fun and kind of like forget about it not really forgetting about it and then just like doing more and more and more and more and you know what's amazing about that is it streamed from that first trauma it and, did. And it was terrible. It was. It was. It, <laughs> it was terrible. It, it, it was that bad relationship that caused that initial trauma, mm-hmm. and you were just trying to find ways to make yourself feel better, instead of diving into that trauma. Yes, right? and I was willing to literally do anything, anything except could. for actually deal with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it's interesting, you know, how you you said even though like while you were doing and and Jimmy, I'm curious if 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 you also felt this way too. I can connect with that feeling of the you know like for you jesse while you were taking the drugs you knew you were addicted to the feeling of it someone who struggled with orthorexia or with eating disorders knows that you know like over exercising or under eating or you know anything like that you become addicted you know that you shouldn't be doing that extra Mm -hmm. that that extra cardio you know in your head that you you don't need to work out for three hours out of the day but you're addicted and it becomes it's the same thing as drugs it's it's a dopamine like like exercise can go from being super healthy to being super unhealthy because you come addicted to that exercise yeah and i and i don't know if 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 you've gone through that same thing jimmy um uh just being just being a man in 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 a world where i feel like eating disorders are so so they're they're getting more and more talked about but the issue is they're being more and more talked about in the female world which is great but now we're not talking about eating disorders in men because still we have so much obsession with an eating disorder is a a, a teenage girl who doesn't want to be fat and that's not what an eating disorder is So it touches based on your thing. It's good that you came out of that because usually when you take drugs, it lowers your serotonin levels. That makes. I you- actually still uh, have issues with that. Um, so ju- just before you continue, just so you have yeah. more to roll off. Of, yeah. yeah. Um, when I was seventeen, um, I had because I had an addictions counselor pretty early on because I whenever I started experiencing those issues, I'd actually had to go back into therapy. Um, and then I had an addictions counselor and then they made me talk to a psychiatrist who actually diagnosed me with drug induced psychosis. Wow. And they had essentially just told me that my, my serotonin levels would never be the same. So, and that, that's something that like, I still do struggle with, um, often it's, it's that's really somewhat, scary for you too. It is. Yeah. But through like I had mentioned through all of those resets that I've had and uh, those epiphanies I've come to find like happiness can come from all sorts of things mm. it doesn't have to be just from dopamine and serotonin boosts sure. it can be just from satisfaction yeah. from but, so many things but Weird. usually uh, from lack of serotonin is why people never get off the drug yes so, exactly. and, but the people can train themselves 
to you obviously still will produce produce it but obviously not to the point that especially when you started at a young age but considering that you started at a young age from external you look like you're doing pretty good mm-hmm. and so it's just fantastic because other people would not may have committed suicide because that could lead to that as well mm-hmm. but you changed your life to a different way and that's actually really good so absolutely it's really good and, and you know that's not to say that i didn't struggle with that as well because that was actually one of the things that i had came across often was suicidal thoughts was how much do i have to take of whatever i'm taking right now and how many things at the same time do i have to take to not make to it happen to, to actually you know create that suicide yeah but i think the thought of wanting that was driving me to do it more which is as fucked up as that sounds at the time because i was taking such a hard plummet was something that i was like working towards and whenever i had had a kind of come to the realization that that's not what i wanted anymore it was a lot easier to start to get away from those thoughts um not that immediately after it was something that went away forever because i still had to um I still had to turn around more. Yeah. And I was in a relationship after that. I know it was like, it was just one bad one after <laughs> the other, right? But it was really just one more bad one that was long-term, um, who essentially was very greedy with, with time um, and attention and didn't want me to pursue athletics anymore. I took like a, like a three, four-year hiatus from actually like doing any sports or anything. Um, and I diverted a lot of my attention, um, my, my money and um, effort into this person that quite honestly didn't actually treat me that well. So I did still relapse in that time because of that. And then I still struggled with those thoughts in that time. But honestly, as soon as I left that bad relationship, that was it. I have not thought a single thought like that since. Good. So honestly, for me personally, it might not be everybody because like you said, whenever a lot of people are using or they can't stop using, they have those bad thoughts. Um, but for a lot of people, it's just environment-based. And Absolutely. yeah, it's, it's, it's almost so simple. Or almost one trigger. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's amazing. Thanks so much for sharing that, Jesse. That's awesome. Uh, uh, Jimmy, I'd love to. I'd love to dive in a little bit um, to just kind of to kind of jump back to that that concept of you know uh, being, um, I guess, like eating disorders and 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 men. Um, like as you explained at the beginning. Um, you mentioned how you struggled a little bit with it. And if, if you're comfortable, I'd love to, love to dive in, even if it's just, um, you know, kind of connecting to that idea that you can become obsessed with looking a certain way, becoming obsessed with eating a certain way, you know, even in regards to food guilt, because I think that 
we live in a society where food guilt is so prominent in everyone like people will literally you can you can sit across from someone and they can eat like a muffin or something and their first reaction is oh like I I'm not gonna be able to have dinner tonight now and it's like no that's that's not even around the holidays we see it a ton too yeah people's people thinking that they need to fast all day for a holiday meal or when people think it's okay to gain 10 pounds over the holiday. Or <laughs> it, the other way as well, exactly. Like where it, you think it's okay. It's that all or nothing mentality. Mm. Yeah. That is what kills our society. 100%. With everything. Like you have people, you have on one spectrum, you have people um, who, you know, are like, it's the holidays. Fuck it, right? And they just eat like shit for two full weeks. And it's like, of course, right? But then you also have people who are like, um, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a big, oh, tonight's Christmas dinner. Can't eat all day. And it's like, no, you need to eat because what's going to happen is if you restrict all day, you're going into Christmas dinner with extreme hunger and you're going to binge. You're going to go past, you're going to eat past fullness. You're going to eat past satiation. And then the next morning you're going to wake up and you're still going to be fucking hungry because mm-hmm you basically fasted all day the other day, even if you eat back all the calories from your day. But if you had a balanced meal for breakfast, you had a balanced meal for lunch, and then you sat down at Christmas dinner and you just listened to your body and you ate slow, like we talked about, and you were mindful, chances are you were going to consume the same amount of calories as you originally would have. You still eat and then you usually have more a bigger meal during that time, but you're not going to be as, you're not going to overeat as well. Exactly. But there's only a certain amount of people that can actually go back to their eating without cheating again the next day. The problem is... Exactly. They, it's like... Uh, sometimes they think that... Uh, some people think like like spiking the insulin and then you feel like crap the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, think of that as like people get brain fog. It's almost like... Um, they call it like type 3... Uh, um, all, uh, type 3 diabetes. Mm-hmm. So they think that Alzheimer's could be coming from that. So think of overeating and how you feel. They, they, they say that over a long period of time, this could, could trigger causing people to get dementia and Alzheimer's a lot quicker. So I truly believe that is because when I eat like shit, I have brain fog the next day and you're like more disoriented. I'm like, mm-hmm. think of your crappy eating habits over a long period of time. What, does, what that does to your, your chemicals in your brain. Absolutely. This could be a reason why we're getting more Alzheimer's and mm. and dementia that, food, from that. Food is medicine. Yeah. It goes in our mouth like Advil and antibiotics does. It goes yeah. into our digestion system. Food is medicine. Yeah. And food, and that's why, you know what, there's a lot of different opinions about this. And as someone who's recovered from an eating disorder, there is, there's two spectrums in the world. There's, and, and I follow them both. <laughs> there's the eating disorder dietitians that are very, very, that push full, like you shouldn't calorie count, you shouldn't macro count, you shouldn't, you shouldn't worry, you should just listen to your body all the time, you know, but the issue is we live in a society, especially if you've had an eating disorder, you don't know how to listen to your body, right? And, you know, you can learn, but, you know, at the same time, food I believe we should take emotion out of food. I believe, yes, I believe food should be enjoyed, but I also believe that food should be emotionless. Mm-hmm. You, and I tell this to my clients. It's people who assume you only, you only eat when you're hungry. Okay, I'm eating over 2,800 calories right now. I'm not hungry. But if I didn't <laughs> eat when I wasn't hungry, 
then I'm a, not living. So, <laughs> like, you so know? You need 2,800 calories, eh? Yeah. I eat 1,000 less than you. You are? Yeah. I've been doing no. that for years. So I, Bro, my body my body's still, ridiculous right I now. still, like, like, that's what I mean. Like, I do suffer from that still. I Absolutely, can, yeah. Can, I can't fathom eating mm-hmm. three yeah. other than me binging. But the thing is that that binge mm-hmm. also helps me be like, okay, I usually feel lighter the next day. <laughs> yeah. And that's a thing. I, no, that's a thing, yeah. I, I don't cheer on the weekdays. Yeah. Like, people bring, like, at the gym donuts, pizzas, all that. Oh. It's like, oh, Jimmy, why don't you have any? Like, not all the time. No, no, okay. bring it. Not all the time. Okay. Not all the time. I'm not judging. But, it, but it's also because <laughs> you don't feel inclined. Cause you, because you, so because, I look at that. I'm like, you allow yourself to, yeah. to have a, a week. Yeah, no. And there's a lot of science behind that because everything works for everyone. Now, if you put someone in who had a different mind frame around food, who, who had a, who indulged instead of, instead of using binge, we'll say indulge, who indulged over the weekend, a lot of them would just continue Relapse. on with that yes, exactly. and continue on now but but that's where it comes into it too because it's person dependent same thing for a it client who dependent. yeah exactly same thing for a client who 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 wants to only eat when they're hungry i say okay if you've got 10 kilometers left in your gas tank and you don't feel like getting gas on the way home are you just not going to get gas? My girlfriend's so guilty yeah. of it. I am too. <laughs> I, I run my I, I run my 2021 truck well, on fumes. It's so bad. Most but, of those but, ones that say they, don't, they only eat one one meal a day and they're usually overweight. I'm like, you, you probably eat all of it at once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. 100%. Or, yeah. I, I think there's also a lot of lying when it comes to that. Oh, 100%. A lot of people, are, people are, are closet eaters. They don't want to admit to Yeah, it. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of shame there. Oh, absolutely. And it's because we give so much emotion to food. If we just treated food like fuel, I I believe, and I know there's a lot of science behind it. I'll change it too. People, North Americans do not know how to cook. They do not know how to cook. I don't know how to cook. Bro, I can throw chicken up against the wall and it can bounce back at uh, me. (laughs) If you made food taste good using healthy ingredients, yeah. You will actually love your food. You will stick to your food. Mm-hmm. North Americans do not know how to cook. So what, what happens is they want to go to the fast foods because that's the food that tastes good. And it's cheap. And it's cheap. That's, that's another wrong yeah. thing about our world. The yeah. fact that an iceberg or a romaine head of romaine lettuce right now is yeah. $10. But yeah. you can go and get like eight cheeseburgers for $10, uh-huh. right? Like that's it, so unfair, but. Exactly. So that that's the main thing. So like. Yeah. But you can also, that's another thing too, you can, tr- you can train your mind to eat well. You can train your mind to enjoy eating well. Exactly. You, can, you tra- can mindset you can, over everything, you man. Can have, you can have a cheat meal and be like, okay, I, I deserve this. I'm going to go back to my, my, my healthy eating the next day instead of be like, I better go run 10 kilometers because I just ate that cheeseburger with, with a piece of cake. That's also yeah. like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's disordered. Yeah. That is disordered eating. Yeah. Anytime you assume that you need to work off food, you need to earn food, like, no, if we just viewed food like, like gas in the tank, and you know what, you know, like maybe that cheeseburger and that piece of cake is the supreme, the supreme gas, and I only, I, you won't catch me getting supreme gas, Yeah. you know, that often, yeah. like maybe once a month, yeah. but if I have my cheat meal, or for my clients, I call it a free meal. Because I, I tell them it's a meal you don't have to track, mm-hmm. a meal where you can just go and be fully present. So you're free. 
mm-hmm. right? Even free, I don't love. It's but... also kind of like a like a negative term that people yeah, would absolutely, associate yeah. with it, probably. Yeah, yeah. Another thing with tracking, though, if you feel that they're turning into excessive compulsive over it, you may have to get them off of that. Exactly, mm-hmm. which is why I start to implement when I feel my clients starting to become addicted to tracking. Because just like anything, you can become addicted to tracking macros. I start to introduce intuitive days. And it's amazing how someone who found, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like a mindset switch. Someone who originally was nervous to track is now nervous to not track. Yeah. And it's about always staying out of your comfort zone too. Yeah. Mindset over everything. Oh, if you're becoming obsessed with tracking, let's take that away. Mm-hmm. And let's track three days out of the week and the other, the other exactly. three or four whatever days, you're going to be intuitive eating. But intuitive eating doesn't mean binging. Intuitive eating means just not tracking. And you're, but mm-hmm. if you tracked, you know how to equip your body now. Yeah. So yes. you can intuitively so so practice eat, that. So I usually don't, tr- like, I don't, I track often. But I was going to say, you've also tracked your entire, like you've been through bodybuilding. You have spent the time. You've done the studying, now you're testing. So I know how much a chicken breast is. I know how much a cup of rice is. So I can intuitively eat without even tracking, Mm -hmm. knowing in my head how much roughly I'm I'm eating that day. Exactly. That's how I I present tracking, post-tracking macros to clients. We learn it as a tool. Yes. And then over time, you start to implement not tracking because you recognize yeah. just like you you've been doing it a long time you start to recognize what looks like what and that's good yeah. enough and yeah. that's another yeah. thing too is a lot of people think that tracking macros is disordered and but oh my gosh. no but you know what and it's crazy because you could argue oh. the same you could say intuitive eating is disordered too because you're constantly saying you know or i, I guess not intuitive eating that's the wrong word but like you could say that like not tracking isn't but I think that that streams from the issue is as we're not teaching children what's in food and how to fuel their body. We're just teaching children, you know, here's the food pyramid. Fuck. I like, was going to say, here's the, the food pyramid. Fuck the Canadian <laughs> yeah. food pyramid. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? Even like, the new one is pretty there's, Yeah, it's oh, yeah. brutal. Yeah. It's a little embarrassing, to be honest. What if we, hear me out, what if we just taught our kids to intuitively eat? And there's actually so many studies. I was talking to someone about this the other day because I saw it on Instagram. I reposted it. Um, th- there's this new thing with children where when you feed them their dinner, you give them a plate and on the plate of dinner, they have, you know, they have their broccoli mm. and then they have their chicken breast and then they have their rice and then they have their brownie and it's all on one plate and you just, you just give it to the kid. And if you watch a toddler, that is true intuitive eating. Mm. The toddler, you, you know, go for the brownie, for example, well, but if they've never been taught before, they might not start with a brownie. They might not know what a brownie is. So they might, so they would take a bite of the brownie and they're like, mm, okay, well, I'm going to have a bite of the brownie. And then, for example, she, she the, uh, this mother, she, she videotaped her kid and the kid took a bite of the brownie and then he put the brownie down and he ended up eating all the broccoli first. Mm-hmm. And then he ate the chicken and then he finished the brownie and he ate about a half of his rice and then he's like, I'm full, mom. And she took it away. And it's because, and the reason why to us, that's amazing to us. We're like, what the fuck, <laughs> right? But it's because when we were growing up, it was you eat your broccoli first and if, and then you eat your chicken and then you eat your rice and only when you clear your plate can you have the brownie. Oh, so yeah. we were like, we got to finish our plate as fast as we can. We got to finish it all because we want the treat. But why are we treating the brownie like a treat? The brownie is just another piece of fucking food on the plate, right? So. I would treat it differently. I would teach my kid to eat the protein first. 
protein. That's priorities right there. Yeah, I'll tell you why protein first because when you eat your protein first, if you eat the carb next, you actually stop the insulin spike by at least thirty percent. There is you eat your there protein is a, first. There is a lot of studies. Yeah. So yeah. this is why you, 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 I think technically you're supposed to do veggie protein starch. Yeah, I think technically, yeah, but but I, I mean more so from an intuitive eating perspective. It's amazing how when you look at a child who hasn't been taught anything about nutrition, hasn't been exposed to society and social media and stuff, how that is true intuitive eating. So what if we had what if we had children who grew up learning like that and who grew up at the dinner table like that, and then whenever they get into school, we start actually teaching them about food, how to feel your body. Because mm-hmm. to touch on what you said, Jimmy, I can look at an apple and I know. Uh, like I know what 100 grams of apple looks like. I know 100 grams of apples has 20 grams of carbs. I also know that a quarter cup of uh, of, of rice has 25 grams of carbs. Mm-hmm. If I feel like the apple, I can eat the apple if I'm intuitive eating. If I feel like the rice, I'm going to eat the rice. That's intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's knowing what your body needs and then choosing which way you want to fuel it, mm-hmm. right? It's like choose your character. But, but it's true, right? People are feeding kids processed things, so they're... What in foods it's called craveability. Yeah. So they're getting yeah. they're getting um these levels of hormones that are triggering how to feel good because of the shitty sugars that are in, in processed like corn oil and stuff and they always Absolutely. want it. So like this is why I like teaching kid to eat properly at a healthy uh, at a young age will get them to do this at a, at an older age. Mm-hmm. So if you're yeah. if you're always eating cereals er, you're not. You don't know what an actual good breakfast is because you're taught. Oh, eat a cereal with milk to, and then people continue to that mm-hmm. process, and then those foods trigger other bad foods. It's also mm-hmm. you have to like. It's all education. Yeah, exactly. It's and all education. One of the craziest parts about that, and you can consider this being part of education. Weirdly, is that if you grew up as a child in the '90s to the 2000s, commercials are what are telling us as kids what we want absolutely so you so look true. at the commercials for food it was it was ring pops and you know corn pops all these yeah all, all these, these sugary, sugary stuff cereals, yeah, yeah. yeah all this yeah. stuff dairy making you strong instead of actually showing that it can bloat you and give you gastrointestinal problems yeah like, all of these things are so wrong and absolutely. we're all we're seeing them from is tv and in turn, probably our teachers in school believe the same thing because they're not educated on that problem. And if you think about, you know, we should be educating these children in high school about what macros are. Even before are, high school. Even before yeah. high school. But yeah. the problem is the people teaching don't know. No, we had to go it's to true. school to it's learn true. all this stuff. We had to chase that education. They don't know, and then you actually just hear like, "Oh, it's because they can't afford they can't afford healthy food." I'm like, first of all, you don't even know what healthy food is. Yeah, exactly. So for you to tell me what healthy food is, first of all, what is healthy food and what is unhealthy food? There is, mm-hmm. there's, there's to me. To me, there shouldn't. To me, we shouldn't even label. Now, even I use healthy and unhealthy just because, it, for a lack of better words, it's a lot easier than having to explain. Mm-hmm. But to me, we shouldn't even be labeling things like that. We should just be labeling things as, this is what your body needs in this moment. This is what your mind needs in this moment. This is what your body needs in this moment. This moment. Mm-hmm. This moment. Sometimes I need chicken and rice, but 
But just like you mentioned, Jimmy, on the weekend, when I go out for my weekly free meal, I don't need chicken and rice. I want my keg chicken fingers and sweet yeah. potato fries. And that's what my body needs in that moment. doesn't mean it's less unhealthy or, so, it's, or it's less healthy. just means that's what my body needs. So, for example, people think yeah. that, that 0% Greek yogurt is better than 4% Greek yogurt. When actually mm-hmm. the 4% Greek yogurt is actually more... Mm-hmm. more or less processed than the 0% yeah. uh, Greek yogurt. But it's whatever you need in that moment because yeah. if you're putting peanut butter on that, then, you know, like for me, for example, if if, if I'm craving peanut butter, I, I would rather use my fats with the peanut butter on the 0%. Mm-hmm. But, but people are so obsessed with healthy, unhealthy, instead of here's what your body needs versus what your mind needs. It's the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as artificial sweeteners. Oh, um, like artificial sweeteners are so bad they are bad, but so is real sweetener. So which one are you going to choose in the moment, right? Yeah. Sometimes you feel like a real Coke. Sometimes you feel like a fake Coke. If they're both bad, then just choose which one you feel like in that moment. Choose which bad. And work with it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But but it's true, right? Like, like you could, it's the same thing. People are like, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to be healthy at the restaurant. I'm going to get a Cobb salad. Honey, your Cobb salad like is 2,000 calories. calories. <laughs> that... That chicken burger that you think is unhealthy is actually way less calories. Mm-hmm. But calories don't matter either because in, in the sense of unhealthy because in, in six tablespoons of olive oil, there's 600 calories, right? There's also yep. – olive oil is healthy as far as society is concerned, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's moderation. It's, it's what your body, your body needs in that moment. Exactly. So, yeah. Anyway – is there anything else that you guys want to you guys want to jump in with? Because I we've got a few more minutes. If you guys have anything else, I don't know, do Jimmy. The, clo- the closing. I'll the closing. Say, I love it. Let's do it. I would say main thing to focus on, not being obsessive about food. Just mm-hmm. eat good, eat slow. I would like I like to start with my proteins first. It makes me uh, satiated. Yeah. So then I have Absolutely. my carbohydrates. I don't cheat during the week of work. I mm-hmm. eat really good. Um, even my coworkers can can attest to that because mm-hmm. when they bring when they bring the sweets there, I'm like I'm the last to be like nope, I'm not touching that stuff. And it's but but the reason you're not touching it is because you're not craving it. I don't I don't crave it, but on the weekend, like if I earn it, and I was I will say. I will have my uh, cheat meal and not cheat day. People mistaken cheat day is mm, cheat that's meal. That's very true too. Yeah, and you still yeah. need to eat during the day so that you won't eat as much. During your cheat meal. And on top of that, you know, you also, to touch on what you brought up in the beginning is in regards to food guilt too, is not feeling guilty for things like that because it, it, it actually, it doesn't have an effect in the same way that everyone assumes it does. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel guilty for, for, for eating. You know, if you feel guilty for eating, um, you need to reevaluate your relationship with food. It doesn't mean you have an eating disorder, but it means you have disordered eating habits. And there is a difference it. between both, right? And you definitely can work at it. And you can work at it. That's why I literally say to everyone, invest in therapy, man. Like that is, and, and that's a whole other topic. And we've already been talking for like an hour, almost two hours now. Yeah. And that's a whole other thing. But like, don't be afraid of therapy because I think therapy you know you you dive when you dive into something and you assess trauma because i believe all i i believe in my opinion when it comes to addiction and mental health in general everything can be streamed from trauma and when you dive deep into trauma and you shouldn't dive deep into trauma on your own that's a little disclaimer diving deep into trauma all on your own is probably worse right and that's something with men's mental health is a lot of men 
Yeah, a lot of men keep Nowadays, it to themselves, though. and you cannot keep that shit to yourself. It's too heavy. You yeah. need to you need to let someone else wear the backpack for a bit, and that's what therapists good, do. Good part with with men's health now. Now people, now guys are actually wanting to hear your issues and mm-hmm. help, which so, is beautiful. It's the way well, it fucking should be. Yeah, like it's not a bad thing to express how you feel to someone if you know that they're gonna they're going to listen. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. that's why it's important. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, Jesse, anything you want to close with, too? Uh, yeah, pretty much just to add in, um, you know, food guilt is is one of those stressors that, you know, it can really, really put a uh, stop to your progress, right? Because Absolutely. if you... Because stress is one of those things. It's a huge gains killer. And if you obsess over your food to the point where you're dwelling on it all day, maybe it you makes your about. sleep poor quality, it makes your training poor quality... Stop stressing about it. Stop, yeah. And uh, I think it takes a lot of um, people who are in the fitness and health industry to say something like that for people to realize that are on the outside that it is okay yeah. to have. Well, I, th- I think like. there's a lot of people in the fitness and health industry who still obsess over oh, their 100%. own food too. So it's, yeah, it's, it's that same battle. Yeah, uh, I yeah, agree. Not, even, not only that, but uh, it's, it's hard to teach and show somebody um a brighter path if you haven't experienced some sort of um negativity and uh adversity in your life right so i think that's uh that's another thing too yeah that's why when you talk to a lot of trainers online coaches anyone who who anyone who anyone who is is and even therapists anyone like that anyone who is dedicating their life to helping people has been there Exactly. I, I truly, truly believe that in, 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 in some shape or form. And yeah. that's why I wanted to thank both of you guys for coming on because I actually, uh, before this podcast, had, had you know, I guess like some idea of, of how this podcast was going to go and, and the backgrounds you guys had. But I had I had no idea to the extent. So I just wanted to thank you guys for being so open with me on this podcast and sharing because if there's one thing that I've learned from years of, of sharing my background with an eating disorder is people, people who don't feel comfortable sharing themselves, they look to people who do feel comfortable. And I always say, I want to be the voice. And if you feel comfortable sharing, I think that it's so beautiful to be able to express that to people because even anyone, anyone listening to this right now could be connecting like crazy as far as we know and i'm going to drop uh, both of your instagrams um um and any other information you guys want me to drop in the comments below um to give you guys a follow For because sure. you both share amazing content and awesome. you both provide the world with more insight into anything and i just want to thank you guys so much and i gotta pee so bad so i'm gonna pee you guys probably <laughs> as, yeah, as personal trainers too you all probably do with the whole gallon yeah but exactly oh my goodness. thank you guys so much and uh thanks for having us. yeah thanks for having me. perfect uh thanks so much guys and i hope you enjoyed the episode um yeah that's pretty much it